You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, David Hall. Hello, hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? And Tony Groves. Evening, gentlemen. Welcome. Well, today we'll be reviewing the Coke Series race at Kansas with the voice of E-NASCAR, Evan Pasoko, and the season finale of the Porsche Super Cup Series at Monza, and all the great content you've come to expect. Also, remember that you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products that we'll be discussing and by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. Coming soon, Grid Finder 2.0, a complete overhaul to better suit the sim driver's needs after many new features to its already robust search functions, including allowed controller types, driver assist, race length, and whether leagues are currently recruiting. The changes don't stop with the leagues page. GridFinder is also rebuilding the paint booth, commentary box, and the merchandise page. The site is still fully functional as they work through the beta phase to make sure that GridFinder 2.0 launch is as slick as the new logo. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder, the home of online sim racing leagues. Uh, We do appreciate them. Uh, here at iRacers Lounge. First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four for his first win in the Enas car peak and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom, it is not gonna be enough, and Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. And Evan Pasoko, welcome. Thanks for uh, for having me back, guys. And sorry I wasn't able to uh, to talk post Richmond, but I'm back on the mainland and happy to be here. Well, interestingly, I missed that show too. So uh, the guys did good without us. I, I don't know if that means we're replaceable or not, but I'll, I'll try to bring some insights. Okay, so this time is round seven. It was Kansas. Uh, boy, uh, you you got the right guy to figure out this this gentleman start your engine. It was quite the command. Yeah, and and props because you know it's something we've been doing all year, and you know even sometimes you'll see somebody do it at the track, right? And it's a little bit haphazardly, maybe. But uh, uh, no, we had Patrick Warren, who's the president of of Kansas Speedway, do it. Um, and the story I was told is that um, he he wasn't even scheduled to do it, um, but he asked if we needed somebody to, and uh, he went a hundred percent. I saw a couple of veins popping out, so that's uh, that's the kind of commitment we appreciate. I think it's the best commitment we've had all year. It was perfect. I loved it. I, I think a lot of people do. It got a lot of traction on Twitter. But let's get to the racing. I was lose on the pole. Uh, then around lap seven, Femi Olap blows it up, uh, but it stays green. Uh, cards on either uh, are either on the very bottom or they're on the very top, it seems like. Uh, and then lap 18, Shearburn gets side-by-side side for the lead, but never 
gets it done, then falls back in line behind Luza. Um, but there was a real neat webcam there uh, with Isaac Gann and his dorm room buddies uh, in his last days of college. Yeah, because the uh, the semester is about to end, um, so I guess the guys have made it a, a bit of a tradition. Is the story I heard um, where for the last like two to three races or so, they'd all uh, pile up in the room next door and watch and cheer them on. So I think that was a really cool angle um, that we got, and it was awesome not to get ahead of ourselves, but you know to kind of get them in on the action um, post race as well uh, in Isaac's interview. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty sweet, and you, know, you talk about that battle. Uh, with Chris trying to get to the race lead. I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, a, a Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano thing, right? Uh, at, a, at a Kansas or, or Kentucky, wherever that battle was last year in the Cup Series, right? Where, where the car in seconds faster, but because of the package they can't get by, it, it had to do with the the multiple grooves where uh, you, you talk about the inside and the outside were both options. And at that point, um, you know, the drivers had started to move up off of that white line. And the inside was open for Chris. He got a nose in front a couple of times early, uh, but just couldn't execute it. And, and I think it goes to show how even both of those lanes were. The fact that that battle went side by side for at least 10 laps. And uh, we saw a lot of that all throughout the field um, on Tuesday night. Yeah, both lines were pretty equal. So there was a lot of, of that going on. By lap 32, green flag stops were starting uh pitting at lap 30 it looked like some will be on a three pit stop strategy tonight um so the early ones that were on a three stop kind of start coming in uh logan clampett was uh, among the first others followed suit uh zach novak though was not happy with graham bullen who took him three wide into turn three and squeezed him up into stephen wilson off the corner it was a close one yeah, there was a a surprising bit of uh chatter uh, per se, and and there was a couple of incidents like that where we ended up with a bit of three wide, and fortunately in that situation uh, we got away with it. But talking about the pitch strategy, really surprised you know that Logan came in that early. We were expecting it to be pretty pretty much just a two stop race, maybe some drivers going for the three, and when Logan came down early, some other drivers followed him. But it was funny because those who waited to like 40, 45 laps in still could have been on a two-stopper. And in fact, I think once we got to the middle portion of the race, it'll be yellow kind of changed things. Whenever that first yellow came out would have been after when we would have expected Logan to pit um, for his second of the three, but he didn't. So I don't really know in hindsight if he was committed to a two or a three-stopper, but uh, I think the race length kind of left that strategy wide open and uh, Logan, you know, already uh, a driver with a win this year. So that was uh, that was their justification for it was well, we've got a win. So why not try something different? And, and he ended up pulling some drivers down pit road after he did, which uh, I think he was pretty surprised by. He thought he'd be a little bit more on his own. Yeah. So the stops continue around lap 47. They um, cycle back to Witt staying out. And then it was Shearburn, then Luza uh, Mitchell. Uh, lap 63. Graham Bolin gets tagged, has a big save, but stays green. And then some of the guys on the three-pit strategy, uh, there's a lot on the two, and then we had the Blade Wit on his single stop strategy, and he did make it past halfway. Yeah, about one or two laps past the halfway point, and uh, that meant that he would have been good to the end, right? And I don't think it would have won him the race, because um, this is a point I mentioned, right? There was two questions. One, could he make it on fuel? He could. Second, was it a race-winning strategy? I don't think it would have got him the win if the race had stayed green, but 
keep in mind, he started 40th, right? So literally anything other than finishing dead last would have been a win for him. And uh, why not, right? Go off strategy. Uh, when you're in that position, you know, that wasn't a P40, by the way, because they didn't queue, right? They, they didn't get the wall and have their queue time disallowed. That was on speed was that P40. Um, so when you're in that position, I think that's kind of the the optimum candidate for making a, a strategy call like that is is they just didn't have it tonight and and why not roll the dice a little bit he was the the only driver to be able to make it all the way to that halfway point and mix it up if i'm not mistaken blade wit was dead last early in this race like p40 i think and uh so why not gamble you know yeah and it, the the yellows that came later in the race i would argue helped him um, at the time, I didn't think it was the greatest timing, but, but, you know, he would go on to finish 13th in this race from dead last on the grid. So, uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit, um, for, for going off paper per se and, and going for that strategy call. Okay. And so, uh, Sherburn cycles to the lead after blade whip stops uh, looking good uh, with track position. Ryan loses right there though. And then 57 to go caution strategies out the window. Uh, John Gorlitsky tried to split the Stuart Haas esports duo of Graham Bolin and Dylan Duvall, but ended up catching the 41's nose. And then Gorlinsky spins down quickly and collects Bob Bryant uh, out of nowhere, and he had nowhere to go. Yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow for Bob because he had nowhere to go. And you're right, he, he tried to sneak through a, an SHR sandwich. Um, and wasn't able to do so. And and that's what I had alluded to when you mentioned the three wide a little bit earlier in the race, right? Sometimes we got away with it. In this instance, we didn't maybe a half a foot difference and, and he's clear and he makes his way through. But uh, instead, it's just a bit of contact and it's really that spin back down the hill, getting Bryant um, that tags everybody. And that did basically reset all of our strategy because you know to that point we were cleaning green past the halfway point we had the the blade witch story in the one stopper we had the question about clampett and some of the other cars who pitted you know in the mid 30s early in the race were they going to go for three were they going to go for two and at that point there was nobody who had just gotten off pit road so uh, it was a clean slate because everybody was coming in uh, for fuel and tires and and at that point everybody inside of the number to go to the end of the race so it wasn't really a total reset on strategy yeah, and everyone pits, and so Clampett's up, up close to the front. They restart, and it's the big one. And I'm thinking, is this Talladega? I mean, there were cars everywhere. It was just amazing. But Clampett goes low on Mitchell DeYoung, uh, three wide, and drives it in there. Now, now, it's one of those deals where Mitchell's on the bottom. There's a car on his outside, and, and then... He gets really low, and yeah, there was a lane there, you know, uh, that he could kind of shove it in, but it was like Mitchell just wasn't, he, he didn't hear it, he didn't understand he was down there, or he didn't care, and uh, he just drove his regular line, and uh, of course, Logan got into him, and it was on after that. Everybody wrecked. Yeah, I think it's one of those racing things, right, where, where Logan saw the gap, and there was a car's length of room, but typically, you don't you know, drive down the white line on the back straightaway and make the corner because that's not how the corners work, right? You got to kind of arc it in from the top. And that's one of the situations where is there room? Yes. I, I get it's late in the race, probably not the move to make. But on the other hand, Mitchell DeYoung could have given him that spot. 
Uh, and instead, he squeezed him. And, and it wasn't like Mitchell put a little bit of a pinch. I mean, Mitchell drove down to the point where if Clamp had wanted to stay off of him, he would have had the left side tires on the apron and split it anyways. So uh, that's a game of chicken where there's no winners. And unfortunately, it's everybody else behind, as you mentioned, the big one. Um, they get involved in that one, and I wouldn't be shocked if we have, uh, if if our big, biggest wreck at Talladega or, or Daytona later this year is smaller than that, because that was uh, it's pretty nasty for an intermediate race. We heard you mention there were quite a few uh, chat uh, mutes that got put out right after that incident as well. Yeah, and and I sometimes wish we could take the the driver audio from the sim, you know, live, but uh, we we don't have a, a five second delay for the sensor button. But there was, uh, I think, at least two or three different drivers who had their chats muted um, either immediately after that incident or you know five ten minutes later because a lot of people were heated and and would not let things go. It uh, it got pretty hot. Well. And I don't blame him. I mean, the move by Logan was optimistic to say, to be conservative. I mean, like you said, he, he's got to make the corner, and there's no way. I mean, even if Mitchell just completely backs out of it, maybe he makes the corner. But, um, yeah, this is a restart. You know, there's a we're under 50 to go. I yeah, It was just a hard thing, and uh, I understand the heat of the moment, but I, I imagine the radios were heated. Yeah, and uh, I only caught snippets. I try my best to listen in when Tim's talking and, you know, we've got producer in our ear and, and everybody else. But, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't pinpoint who was mad. I think it was just general anger because, as I mentioned, you know, when you talked about that near three wide and, and a bit of drivers uh, – early in the race the one that didn't lead to the yellow people get mad even though at that point that was only the second caution of the race there was a fair amount of people that were a little bit hot and uh that's uh you know just a product i guess of when when you're going to be so close to each other as this package produces that when you're going to be around people you're going to get mad at people and uh i don't think it was anything beyond what we've seen this year but it's just one of those things that happens Yep, and then uh, restart, 47 to go. It was Gann, Sherburn, Clampett. Three wide for the lead. Great racing there. Uh, by lap 42, Gann finally clears Sherburn for, from the inside. And it was quite a – it was fun to watch those five laps as they were side by side and just dig in, and he just can't get clear to, you know, slide up in front of him. But uh, eventually he gets it done, and uh, – and and you could see the jubilation on Isaac Gann. I mean, he was fist pumping, and and uh, it, that was exciting. Oh, absolutely. And the only thing I wish was that um, we had a live feed, um, or I guess I should say that I wish that Gann's uh, dorm mates had a live feed of the race, right? Like a production feed, because... Uh, they were getting pretty hyped every time he made a move, and and the reaction was delayed just because they were watching the YouTube stream, right? So they were forty five seconds behind or whatever. It would have been cool to see those guys go nuts right when when Isaac made the pass, right, and right. gave us a bit of a fist pump. But it was a gutsy move by Isaac, right? I mean, he was barely clear, pulled it up, parked it, and uh, threw a nice block. And at that point, you know, with how difficult it was for him to try to execute. Uh, a pass early in this race in Chris's case, right? When when Chris was trying to make the move early and couldn't do it, I thought when Isaac got through that that was it, right? And he was going to use the track position and, and run away with it. And it turns out uh, the battling wasn't done, though. Yeah, rookie of the year move. We'll see. I mean, he's running really good as a rookie. 
he's he's been awesome there's been a lot of uh you know great showings and you know we, we talk about um you know race winners and uh, it was just uh you know a week ago didn't get to talk about it but uh you know how about vicente salas getting uh the, his first win and in, in only x right. amount of starts and being the first Leading driver to lead every single lap in an oval race bobby zelensky's done it in a road race a couple of times um but every single lap in an oval race for the first time and and i hand checked every single race result um to double check that stat but uh the rookies are coming to play and uh you know i think isaac and vicente and and a lot of these guys have a bright future so isaac pretty much burned up his tires and ever gave it everything he got getting to the lead there but and and then three laps later chris sherburn gets back by him and that ended up being the winning move of the race at that moment but as laps were winding down uh 15 on the board uh, Chris Sherburn was cruising about two seconds over Keegan Leahy, who got around um, Gann as well. And then 14 to go. Luza actually blows up after being in that big one, but it stays green. Uh, and then, boom, uh, seven different w- winners. Uh, Chris Sherburn gets it done in his second career win uh, here at Kansas. Seven winners, um, seven different teams. Um, and if you want a bit of a funny stat, since we've had a bunch of different race winners this year, right through seven, um, and with Chris winning the season finale last year, Chris Shearburn has more race wins than anybody else in our last eight. Of course, you know, you can come up with any fun stat when you nitpick them a little bit, but I just think it's funny that, that Chris Shearburn's, uh, won two races, uh, you know, the only driver to win two races out of the last eight. Um, if you look back, you know, nine uh conti won the second last race last year he won daytona but uh, i think chris shearburn has made a huge statement um and i want to focus on on that in the fact that you know when, when we talk about the points in this series what latart esports has been able to do um by not only sticking with chris right we have seen so much movement out of these teams over the last two years um, you know, Steve Letarte has stuck with Chris since day one. So that's cool. Plus picking up Bobby Zelensky, um, who could be due for a race win in our next, uh, you know, timeout. Um, when we go to Coda in three weeks time, uh, I think Letarte Esports is, is in a great spot to be right there alongside the teams we expect to be there, right? The William Byron Esports, the Clickerman Sports and all that. Um, Letarte Esports third in the team points is, is pretty cool and, and awesome to see Chris get win number two. Yep. Nice win. Keegan second. Gann third. Great run for him. Uh, Clamp at fourth. I mean, it, it ended up paying off for him, that crazy move, because he got the top five out of it. Uh, Bolin fifth. Michael Guest uh, is the shout out. Man, he's top ten, 10 in them to death, and I think he's third in points. Uh, Conti, Reynolds, Duval, and Nathan Lyon round out the top 10. Yeah, Guest remains um, as the highest driver without a race win. And, you know, to that team aspect that I mentioned, um, you know, Latardi Sports is, I think this is the best season they've had. Um, Similarly so, I think that this is some of the best stuff we've seen at a Jim Beaver Esports, right? Um, still looking to to see a little bit more um, at a Kane Cook, who coincidentally enough um, had a really good showing 
um, you know, this, this past time out at Kansas. And, and I think that's, uh, some good stuff for that crew, but, uh, you know, Kane ended up dropping back a little bit, finished 23rd, but, uh, you know, was in the teens at a few points. So, um, I think that Jim Beaver Esports has a lot to, to hang their heads high about and Michael guess somebody who may be on track for a career year, but I would be, you know, in, in a normal year, highest driver without points, I think you're fine. Right. I think that we expect most of the time there's going to be two or three spots on points in the playoffs. Um, but we're already at seven winners. Right. Fortunately for Michael, there's 10 playoff spots this year instead of eight. Right. Could you imagine if we if this is last year and we have seven of our eight playoff spots full in seven weeks? Right. So those extra two could be far more uh, critical than we thought they were going to be at the start of the year. So uh, normally, Michael Guest, nothing to worry about, right? You're, you're pretty much money that we were going to have at least one non-race winner in. Uh, but he might have to come around and, and get the job done here. Um, I, I wonder how much they're going to start sweating now that you know we're halfway through the regular season. And it appears like it's going to take at minimum one race win just to be playoff eligible. Um, I I think I'm at the point where I'm pretty convinced we're going to see 10 different race winners. Um, you got the road course coming up, uh, you know, in, in one week's time. Chances are that's a Bobby Zelensky win. There's other things can happen, but that's that's pretty close. And maybe Bobby claims one, if not both of the others at Road America and Watkins Glen. So that's going to take care of, I think, our repeat winner uh, factor. But I, I think we might get right to that number 10 mark. And if you get to 11, then it's going to be wins, then points for the seeding. And you may need two wins, you know, when we get to that point um, to be guaranteed a spot in, which we, we've known is a possibility with this format. But, um, you know, this this year is the first time since 2010, the, the inaugural year of this series where we've had seven different race winners in the first seven races. And wouldn't be shocked at all if we set an all time record by uh, seeing our eighth different one in two weeks. All right. Looking forward. Um, everybody was talking about, let's get to work, especially Bobby and uh, Keegan. Uh, they're going to be putting in some hours getting ready for this road race. And uh, I think the wild card is Mitchell DeYoung and uh, that's going to be what to watch, right? It is, and, and it's basically Bobby Zelensky versus all, right? Um, you know, is that is that streak going to be snapped? I mean, uh, you know, you look back uh, through our last couple of, you know, just last year alone, right? Bobby Zelensky, race winner at the Roval, race winner at Daytona, um, and it is three of the next six. So that, I mean, you know, we talk about, the the whole win and you're in Michael Guest may be a big Bobby Zelensky fan because even though Bobby winning Coda means that that's one less spot left right then it goes from three points open right now and points to two there's a legitimate chance that Bobby Zelensky wins three of the next six races which lowers the chance that we get beyond that magic number of ten but right. uh, it's a new track. Um, I haven't personally driven the cup car on Coda, um, that much. I know I did it when they announced that they were going there just to see, and it very different than, you know, the, the Watkins Glens and the Sedomas and whatnot that we're used to. So if there's a race at which Bobby is 
at a, I don't want to say a disadvantage, but the least of an advantage, it would be this one because he's learning from scratch, right? Um, you, you talk about Mitchell DeYoung, of course, the Porsche eSports Super Cup driver who's got a ton of road experience. These cup cars do not handle like a Porsche, though, and I think he's going to learn that pretty quick, right? I'm curious how much that can translate over. And then, you know, there's other guys that are good at road racing, Keegan Leahy, Michael Conti. So if it comes down to a, a split strategy, because we don't have yellows in these, so it's, it's going to come down to you can pretty much map out your strategy to a T, um, there's always a chance um, that somebody else can get the job done. But uh, I always love when when we go somewhere first, right? Because our race for the for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series is a couple of days before uh, the actual race weekend at COTA. So the first NASCAR-sanctioned race at COTA is going to happen on iRacing. Um, so I feel like we might get some extra eyeballs on that as, as a preview of what's going to come up for the race weekend following. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun time. Okay, and that's three weeks out, right? Yeah, we got to wait a little bit longer. So instead of one week in between, I think we got two because it's going to be on May the 18th. And then to make up for that, uh, we'll have two races back to back. Coda on the 18th, um, and then our longest of the year at Charlotte uh, the week following on the 25th. So you got to wait till later in May to get it. But we'll have a double dose of action uh, starting with Coda. All right, Evan Pasoko, thanks for coming on. Appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate I real, you guys having me. Got a, Got a real quick question for Evan, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, go for it. Evan, in your professional opinion, which driver did the best impersonation of Evan Pacerco <laughs> in the pre-race? I, I, I only got to see a clip of it, so I need to go back. Some of them were pretty bad. Um, some of them getting the side-by-side, -side and they were pretty good. So I was actually thinking of clipping that and, and putting a ranking or something on Twitter. So I'll use this as a plug to, uh, to follow me on Twitter, and I think I'll go and I'll clip that. And I'll I'll do a power rankings of who does the best and worst uh, impression of me. But I thought that was pretty funny. That was Ooh. funny. It was really. I funny. missed it. It it was in pre race. Yeah. You got to go back. They gave they didn't give me a heads up, because um, at that point we're you know hanging out waiting and and we're watching the pre race just so we know what they're talking about. Because there's always a chance that if they're a little bit under time. Uh, me and Tim need to jump on at the end to to talk and and say a little bit and and all they all I know is I, I heard in my ear uh, listen in real quick and I saw the segment so I thought that was pretty fun so uh, it, it was it was cool I need to go back and I will do a power rankings of uh, the best to worst me impressions and uh, we'll see yeah definitely that was a, was a fun spot okay so who would have thought road road course racing in Texas hey we'll see you there Evan. Sounds good, guys. We'll talk soon. We're going to hit the ground running without caution talking about cautions and the topics um you heard me say this last week and i'm not the only one who feels this way we have several topics that are popping up all over the place in the forums right now cautions are broke that's the headline on this topic um after a week at talladega there was a lot of new evidence that they are side slick 1024 he posted a couple of videos on his youtube channel uh as well as team member tyler williamson also posting some clips of the uh, cautionless wrecks, and uh, we're not—we don't have to play by play every one of them. But just, they're just places where there's carnage all over the track, and uh, the yellow doesn't come out. So, 
this guy, Bat Hollenbaugh, put these up in the forum. He put up four or five videos in a row of examples. And, they're, and they are good examples. And when you initially look at them, you're like, yeah, man, that's a big wreck. I can't believe a caution didn't come out. But if you look at them a little bit closer, I do want to point out that the, the wreck kind of happens and then they, they, they clear to the bottom and they're not actually on the racing surface. And so maybe that's what it is. So maybe it just needs to be tweaked. So if a car is sideways on the racing surface, maybe it comes out. I don't know. Well, I, I have replays. Walking. Yeah, I have replays with the cars sitting on the track at zero and the caution not coming out. Mike, I don't know what you're watching. That first one has IndyCar's debris all over the place in that first video. Like, there's, it's tough. Like, just having the first couple of wrecks in that should have already brought it out. They wouldn't, if you think to real life, they're going to focus on safety. Obviously, we're in the sim. We're not worried about the safety of the cars and stuff like that. But that first one that I was showing here on the stream, there's cars everywhere. That should be an automatic. Does iRacing have debris cautions? No, but they have the on the new damage model, debris can hurt the car. Right, but it won't come out. It won't bring the caution out just because there's a wing sitting in the groove, right? Yeah, no, but there, there was were a cockpit of a car sitting there. Yeah, there were cars all that first track. There's cars all over the place that are 100 miles an hour under speed, like stuck up against the wall. And that Talladega one with the trucks, that was enough to bring out a caution no matter what. And here's what happens. It, the, the longer it stays this way, it, it just leads to even worse arc breaking. Because now, when you see smoke, you don't, <laughs> you, don't, you don't slow down because you're probably not going to get a caution. So why right. slow down and give up, you know, seven positions? Um, it's making things more dangerous. Chance, right? Yeah, you might as well just be running with the cautions off again. Um, that's what somebody definitely pointed out on there also and uh you know it's just it makes it very unsafe and not fun to have to be the one who does check up while everybody else doesn't or to just get or to get to plow into a car that's sideways on the track and then still not have a caution come out well i, th I think we can all agree that there's some issues with the cautions i'm more curious about why is this a like a deliberate attempt to try to limit the amount of caution so the races aren't so bad that they've like dialed back the threshold to throw one didn't help in martinsville you could have been know. worse maybe <laughs> no he said that's what i'm concerned about whether they're just you know they're just trying to keep these races as, races as caution free as possible so people aren't disinterested with all these caution laps and maybe they just lowered the threshold of what brings out a caution to the point where it's almost ridiculous and they just have to maybe do some adjustments well then they need to communicate that because every other issue that comes up on the forums they respond to they've been ignoring this for a month now yeah which is kind of odd because it, it doesn't make any sense why this is the one they're choosing obviously there is something if they're choosing to ignore it there is something that's causing it right so Somebody either noticed either they don't know what they broke or they're doing it deliberate. Well, somebody noticed in the forums and I've noticed this kind of in a, in a different way. They're using the uh, event counter or log to, to see when the wreck is noted. And it's and there's like a delay when the event is actually showing up on the log compared to what it used to be. If there is some kind of caution. Um, so what it seems like, even when the car is actually stopped on the track completely, 
the yellow still takes a few seconds to actually trigger. So it's almost like they've intentionally built in a delay to see if the car is going to get going or not. Or they'll escape out. Yeah. Well, more to come on that. So Road to Pro had a couple uh, crazy things happen here. So I guess uh, Brian Blackford uh, tweeted out the uh, after the Road to Pro uh, truck series race or halfway through one, looking at uh, one of the images here is, what is that, six? Six identical trucks in the same race um, racing with each other. I forget which team it is, yeah, but... But uh, that's kind of crazy that they got six all lined up and they're trying trying to, uh, you know, get a win for their team. And then Brad uh, Brad Wright, uh, White, uh, Wright, sorry, um, went from 17th to 1st um, in his road to pro at Talladega. Um, and it kind of was a crazy uh, event there. They, um, they wrecked coming off of off of uh f- through three and four and then they just kept wrecking down the straightaway like the two i think it was the two good leaders took each other out and he ended up passing them just as they get to the line which is quite crazy yeah 17th the first on the last lap yeah pretty neat uh replay i would i did watch this race uh the road to pro um i think it was thursday night at talladega and uh I tell you what, man, that package with the trucks at Talladega is what we want. You know, what we wanted at Talladega for us in the ACAR. They were three wide, uh, 10 deep, uh, total pack racing, you know, throw a blanket over 25 of them at a time. And uh, it was it was really fun to watch. Uh, and it, with the paint jobs that that one team w- was using, you could definitely tell uh, they were working together and uh, as, as a whole. How about those uh, member highlights, Tony? Oh, was that me? I was just waiting for that super cool lead-in. All right. Another video. And I tell you, right from the start, um, like the first two clips are probably the best part of uh, this whole video, uh, six-minute highlight video. But the first two are like, the first one is like the 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 best wreck avoidance I think I've ever seen. How this guy got through this mess. Um, he was weaving and bobbing through just like the whole field was wrecking. And he wiggled his way. He didn't find just some magic line on the outside. He actually had to carve his way through that whole mess. It was it was extremely impressive. And the the second one, um, this guy spins like it's a full 360 he doesn't even lose a spot now he's battling for position um looks like he could just got kind of uh goofy by uh, another guy spinning out there's no contact or nothing but he spins it uh stays in complete control and doesn't even uh lose a position um two very impressive things to start out that video those are the two major standouts but another good video from iRacing oh yeah it's a typical quality side by side or three wide or I just love stuff like this because when they get side by side and they don't want to take each other out and they're being like gentlemen racers, it's so cool. This one here at the end, uh, near the end is four wide at Watkins Glen. Right yeah. at the line too, right at the checker line, they're four wide. 
Yeah, yeah, and that, that's just crazy. It's it's stuff it's gets uh, to be really hard to see. Um, so it's nice that they put out these videos to see these uh, great racing moments. And I have my own personal great racing moments here and there, or I see them while I'm on the track. But man, they're happening all the time, every day, and and uh, you just don't even know they're happening unless you. You know they capture them like this, so I I really do appreciate these videos. Oh yeah, they're they're definitely enjoyable, and you know obviously like everything else, you know some stand out a lot better than the others. But um, this one grabbed me by surprise just because the yeah the first two out of the gate were just so darn impressive. Yep. One I noticed uh, that was quite interesting was the uh, the last one where the two Indy cars getting onto pit road at Barber Motorsport Park. That's one of the harder pit roads to get onto, and he makes the pass on the outside of uh, for the lead. Yeah. Okay, I got the next one. A PESC All Stars race. Emily Jones takes the victory in the main race of the Porsche Tag Heuer Super Cup All Stars race Saturday, wrapping up the series championship in the process. So, congratulations to Emily. Yeah, she was uh she was leading in the points going into that race and takes the win in the main race, which Actually, exactly what happened in the uh, Tag Heuer uh, Super Cup race. Um, we all know that Josh Rogers wrapped up the championship last week, and uh, well, he didn't. He didn't take the week off. He uh, went ahead and won the main feature race at Monza in week ten, just uh, just for fun, I guess. Uh, he he's had just an outstanding dominant season. It's it's one of the better seasons in probably any series that any one driver's had. As competitive as these cars are and and the field is, it's it's a fantastic uh, job by Josh to take that victory. Um, a Sebastian job. He had a had a really rough time this past weekend at Monza. He he wrecked out in both races. So um, I think he's probably got the most speed leading into next year to try to challenge Josh. He's just got to be a little bit more consistent, and uh, and hopefully uh, next year he he's got something for Josh, and we can see a, a little bit better uh, better season when it comes to the last race. Well, remember early in the season, didn't he have a disconnect uh, internet issue? At- Man, it's probably just down to that alone. Yeah, that was actually the first week um, that he had that problem. And he's had a couple problems. He blew his engine at uh, the Nürburgring and on that jump, which was very unusual. Uh, he's just had a really strange year. Um, but, but he's got the speed, so I expect to see him coming back strong next year. So we're speaking Porsche, right? How about a new one? During the broadcast of the Porsche Super Cup finale. We had uh, iRacing reveal that they're coming out with a GT3R, which is going to be available in the Season 3 build in June. Take a look at the video. It uh, looks like a Porsche. And I don't have a whole lot of other information. I wonder if this is going to replace the the 911 Cup car that we currently have. It's not. I read something along the lines that it's separate from that. So that just leaves the, the cup, ser- cup car is going to still have its own series, and this is going to be part of the GT3 class, just so that they have a Porsche. I don't, that's I don't remember the specifics. Now, if you check the Twitch link, uh, it comes up to the point in the stream where they have the announcement, and they played the video that we saw last week. Uh, and then at the end, uh, they actually have a, the, uh, the actual car is on stage. And the presenter guy gets, you know, they show it from the outside. He gets in it. 
he's talking about it. So you can see the actual uh, Porsche that uh, that they're talking about if you go to the Twitch. Pretty cool to yeah, announce a, content on the stream like that, though. Yeah, we, we had a story, remember, a couple weeks ago where a guy predicted a new Porsche was going to come out for week 10 of the All-Star race because they That's didn't right. have an announced car. And uh, and he was he he was off on his timing, but he was uh, he nailed that the new Porsche was car was coming out. It's a beauty too, and they show the real one. Wow. Okay, next up, massive reports of stats are down. Uh, iRacing had issues on Saturday where stats were not displaying in their results. Uh, staffer Nicholas Bailey replied in the forums on many many threads. Uh, he was all over it uh, that they were being fixed and being updated fairly quick quickly. Uh, what I noticed, though, is the amount of activity of people uh, that are concerned about it. I mean, stats are important, apparently. Yeah, because I don't think they were down for, like, a super long time, and people were all over it in a hurry. And they they, they got it back up fairly quickly, from what I could tell. But, man, they, they jumped on it quick. I found eight and different all, threads. Well, and it's, it started the night before, because remember, Bobby was bringing it up in our chat Friday night. And into Saturday, and we didn't right. get any results until Saturday. The NIS results weren't showing, right? Well, generally, with stats coming out, uh, a lot of people are interested in finding out uh, if they uh, bumped up in the points or down in the points in, their, in whatever series they're running. But yeah, they got it resolved. It was just something hung up, and uh, nothing got lost or anything like that. Well, one stat we are definitely looking forward to uh, packing up our. Uh, how shall we say win stats for, to back up last year are India 500 stats and uh, Tony's going to tell us a little about that <laughs> man I don't show up for a couple of weeks and I totally forget how to do this whole podcasting thing what's going on here so we got the Indy 500 coming up Greg West uh, posted up the, the details for that and uh, that is going to happen May 22nd and the 23rd um, that's the open, and then the the fix is the week before that. Oh, oh, my bad. Yeah, there's two links here. I didn't have them both opened up. Yeah, so fixed on one week, and then uh, open on the next. Yeah, so the fixed will be the 15th and the 16th. And I wish they'd put these time slots in Eastern Standard Time so I'd understand them, but uh, each each one's got four time slots. Um, the, you know, the, the regular, you got to have a, a D license 4.0 for oval, um, 200 lap race and yeah, uh, using the, uh, Delara IR 18. The big difference with this event over others is qualifying is separate and it's a four lap average. Also, oh. uh. If you're trying to convert GMT once again, it's minus four hours. To get to Eastern? There. That's that's Mike's uh, pet peeve. It's minus four hours. But if you really want to transpose it to the right time, it's it's minus five for Central. Does anybody you know care I, about Central? Like, I thought everything works on the East Coast. Here's the easiest way to figure it out. Plop it into Google. Win. Every time. Or or subtracting four, which is um kind of you know like first grade math. So who's gonna run it? I'll run the open. Definitely me. Yeah, I'll definitely run the open. Is that the week of the real five hundred? Go for a win. 
think I don't it even is. think I have this car. You don't have the Indy car? Nope. Yeah, they I changed guess you probably it have the older one, but not the newer one. Right, the one with the windscreen on it. Eh. I've got the free one. Yeah, so you'll be buying the car if you want to run this. I, I'm not really... Uh, I think I skipped last year, actually. You'll end up running it. I might. <laughs> All right, next if, up. If, what about you, Brian? You're definitely doing it, right? Um, I was going to just ask if you the fixed setup, if you can still make in-car adjustments or not. That was like changed last trackers. year after this, so yes, you can. You can? Yeah, then they, probably, then they, it was a problem <laughs> in the 500 last year, so they made the change. I got gotcha. you. I never know what to do with that stupid thing, and yeah, I'm afraid <laughs> of it. That's what I was thinking. I'm afraid of it. I don't know if I want to do it if, if it's in fixed. And well, generally, if you, pra- if you go into a practice, you can test it out. Right there. Yeah, practice. yeah, you can in a practice. <laughs> you don't move it that much in race, except for like if you're not in traffic or in traffic. But where it gets really crazy is to optimize that qualifying time. You have to get it to where you can switch it from one extreme to the other in the corner and the uh, in the straightaway. The, the biggest issue is is when you get to that. There's a, there's a point where when you've closed up on a car it gets super tight into exit the corner. If you don't do the adjustment, it just, it, you're just throttling back and it's just killing your straight line speed. So you do the adjustment and go further. If you've got multiple cars in front of you, but if it's one car, it's, it's minor adjustments. Next up, we got a poll put out by, uh, iRacing actually on the Twitter, uh, this asking, Hey, do you like fixed or open? And uh, they got quite a few v- votes, uh, 5,868, uh, and it's 71% on fixed and 28% on open. I, this was a little more skewed uh, than I thought it would be. I thought it would be a little more equal. Well, they're talking just in general in iRacing, right? This in like general, you, yeah. You, If you look on the oval side, isn't the fixed series more popular than the oval? Or the it open? Is. So. Double. I would guess any of the roads that have fixed would be more popular too, just because you can just hop in and drive a road set. But you know, I don't, I don't find uh, some of the fixed stuff. I just don't find it fun anymore. But that's just my my take to it. Well, these numbers, uh, you know, back up. You know, NIS fixed versus NIS open numbers. I mean, it's pretty much double. Interesting though. Well, one place I guess some people might want a fixed setup or an open setup. I don't know. Uh, but definitely a lot of practice time because it's going to be a brand new track. NASCAR actually is considering going to Chicago. And I think we already kind of knew this and they were going to be going ahead and using uh, iRacing as a way to test the waters. And that's exactly what this post confirms is that iRacing is serving as the dry run for the possible eventual real life version. The Pro Invitational has a race in June um, 2nd with a track that's to be determined, and they're expecting that's going to be Chicago. Yep. So that's why it was TBD on the the whole time, is the plan is Chicago. That'll be an awesome event to watch um, for it, because, you know, do we get it in the sim just before that, or is this where the first taste is and then they release it afterwards? So who I'm just thinking who of the cup drivers is go, a good road course racer in the sim? Probably Byron. Right. Timmy Timmy Hill. 
Timmy Hill, right? If he's allowed. He'll be allowed. They fixed that. They I'm could bring actually they could bring Elmendinger in for this one. Yeah, but like Mike's saying is sometimes the life real life doesn't translate into the sim for road part of it. Because I'd Chase Elliott wouldn't be Chase Elliott's really good on road. I'd will he come into the sim and dominate? Not like he does on road. This this track kind of worries me for the pro invitational because you know these these street courses there's not like runoff areas too much you know people are going to be hitting walls and bouncing all over the place blocking tracks blocking uh, that tracks kinda, <laughs> yeah that kind of worries me a little bit especially for the guys who don't take it as serious as others you know so now so here's let's say the, it goes bad fast. though Brian like what if it does go bad it looks like a circus. Then maybe NASCAR yeah. doesn't get their Chicago race because they're like, we don't want that. Well, my question is: Is are they running this like an actual road race in iRacing where they don't put cautions on, or are they going to run it with cautions? I'm sure Tyler would throw a caution if he needed to. That's a good point, Mike. Uh, I wonder if they might get the word say, "Hey, this is like a really important this time." So, can you try to try to take this a little bit more serious than the rest of the weeks? So, guys, if you remember, last week was the 24 hours of Norbering, and uh, Team B- BMW Red uh, BMW Team Redline is officially what they're called. The trio of Max Benecke, uh Chris Lulham, and Max Verstappen took the win in the uh, top split. So they are they would be the uh, 24 hours champs of uh, of Norbering, and uh, that's a that's a tough race. It's a, probably one of the most grueling endurance races on this on this calendar, and uh, yeah, they they dominated. They led led 158 of 174 laps. Uh, so a really really good performance from those guys. They're I'm not sure about Chris Lillian, but I know the other two guys are definitely uh, Porsche Super Cup drivers. I mean, I don't know who he is either, but can you imagine being teammates with Verstappen? And, you know, hand, handing the car over to him and not wrecking it, you know, and, uh, yeah. Well, especially with how Verstappen's, uh, he's elevated himself in his, his, his career right now, and F1 is starting to skyrocket, and he's doing this in his spare time on his off week, because obviously it was an off weekend last week, and luckily for him to be able to race it too, right? It's so awesome, I think, that these Formula One stars are, are doing these events. That I, It just brings a whole legitimacy to it. So, Tony, what's better than rain? Well, I don't know about this one. Um, but apparently, Jacob Pinkstaff thinks it would be cool to add a riverboat racing to the service. <laughs> Maybe that's better than rain? I don't know. So... These uh, now I don't know if this is the same thing I'm thinking about, but out here in Phoenix at Firebird, uh, they uh, racetrack they have a, a small lake where uh, it's not a river, it's a lake, and they have these jet boats that r- do drag racing side by side, sometimes three or four wide uh, side by side drag racing, and they, it was it's a blast. It's a huge fun to watch, and I think it'd be fun. Um, it's still a form of racing. I don't know. These uh, actually, Mike. I think these ones are the ones they have uh, um, set. Like they're like bow, buoys or buoys or whatever. They're out in the water and they got it. They can they Big do like a, sometimes a circle track or a road course right. and they just got to go around them and complete 
they don't go for very long because I don't think their motors, their motors would overheat for the amount of time. I don't think they're really long races, but I could be wrong on that. But uh, it'd be interesting. I just don't think it's an iRacing sim addition <laughs> that we need. But, you know, teaches our own, I guess, right? I wasn't trying to discount the sport of, you know, boat racing. Um, those guys in there are crazy ass. Oh, yeah. They're just, they're, you got to be freaking mental to do it. Um, so, like, huge shit, like, huge respect to, to the sport. Um, I, I was just like, in iRacing, um, no. I mean, how would the tire model even work? <laughs> we have a water model or a lake model or a river model now. Whatever it is, Tony, I'm sure someone will complain about it too, not working properly. <laughs> I was trying to get the first complaint in already before anybody got on it. Well, at some point they're gonna have they're gonna have all the content created, right? And they're gonna have to come up with something new. Well, Ten years from now or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, maybe fifteen. <laughs> Okay, this next one was kind of cool. Life imitating art. And so many people on social media uh, cropped up pictures from the Pro Invitational race at Talladega and then the real race at Talladega of Joey Logano in his 22 orange uh, NASCAR getting airborne. And then Brad Keselowski uh, winning in his green and white uh, car, uh, you know, doing donuts. And um, it, it's pretty cool when you put the pictures side by side, you almost can't tell which one's real and which one's not. I mean, they, they look so much alike. Is it funny that you're looking at this too and Denny Hamlin's car is in the background of both of the ones for Logano as well? Like there's just a, <laughs> just one's wrecking, one's that driving away. Right. And so I showed this to my wife and my stepdaughter and just to see what they would think. And they looked at it and kind of looked at me like I'm crazy. But, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess you have to be a sim racer for it to be cool. But we have several examples in the script uh, we found on Instagram. And uh, Fox uh, put out one. Um, I think even uh, Ryan Ellis, one of the drivers, he put out one. He said, we live in a simulation. Pretty sure Jim or uh, Joey was probably a lot, felt a lot better wrecking and eye racing than he did on Sunday in the real car. Let's talk about who else is going to complain, Greg. All right, this one's going to get me warmed up here for a bit because this, <laughs> I guess this happened on the actual uh, broadcast um, for the Nurburg uh, ring. Um, so Chris, uh, is it shut, shuts, shut, I guess, um, posted up that they were having a discussion about the game engine of iRacing. It, it kind of still looks the same as 2008. Um, there just, there's a lot of complaints about, um, certain aspects of iRacing with like night sight cycles and, and their GT cars and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm hoping uh, our uh, friend of the show and, and teammate, Mike Morley, is listening to this one, too, because he's going to like me talking about a, a set of Corsa here, too, as well. But I, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn and tired of hearing the comparison of 
iRacing to Assetto Corsa. Assetto Corsa is good in its own way. It's its own sim, but it does one discipline. iRacing has, I, I, I don't know, how, how many disciplines do they have? And there's, there's 20 or 30 different disciplines, series-wise or more. And they're not, they're, 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 this whole sim is built on everything working as, as, as itself. If you want to be able to focus on one thing, okay, a set of course of focuses on GT cars and they can make everything great because that's all they're worried about making on it. Whereas iRacing has us oval guys to, to accommodate for the road side, all the different road disciplines, the, the dirt side, the dirt rally, the dirt trucks, you know, there's, there's so many different disciplines that um, you can't just focus. You can, you can, you could build, um, if iRacing wanted to change their engine from 2008, the amount of time it would take and resources, we wouldn't be able to afford the sim coming back from it, I don't believe. It would be expensive to change it over. A set of course that was only built in the last, I think it was the last three years. I think it's less than three years old. Um, well, how just, much of the, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry? Uh, how much of the 2008 engine is still really there, right? Well, Almost it's everything not, is it's being not a lot of it isn't. It's there. It's people are just people are set. You know, it's no different than you know. You got one game or or something that's got updated graphics. It's like year to year. If you want your Call of Duty, it's got updated graphics and it looks different, nicer. Well, a set of courses eight years further into the future of the technology of the system. They've made their their upgrades. It's great. It's its own sim. You can't. I, I just I, I see these more and more pop up all the time, and I, I took it okay. I took I take Chris shots for his um, his word, or like he's at least he he has some time in the sim. He's got eight years in here, so at least you know he's he's seen it all. Um, but a lot of this keeps popping up with all these other sims. It's like you can't compare them. We're you know you you find something you like or you don't like. Uh, but someone yeah. in his post also makes a thing about that there's a reason it's been around for so long if it was so outdated why would people keep coming devil's advocate you can compare them and we had a, a driver i know that recently came over from acc and switched over to i racing and even in the race and even in the road racing lobbies uh the sports car racing lobbies uh the i racing community and racing is just better whether whether the the sim that ACC is has better graphics or not, it's not um, the lobbies are not policed in the same way. They don't really have a protest system, right? You the only way you really have any communities over there is to run league races. There's no sense of an official racing for so. In that sense, that's one of the things that iRacing just has hands down over any of the other software packages is how how quality the pickup system uh, pickup racing can be. I like this quote from Dexter Castro in the in the thread. He says, iRacing won't have any true competition until another billionaire allows a studio to lose money for most of a decade to do things right. It's not wrong. I mean, That's a good point. You have to have investors. And if you don't have deep pockets to do something like this, and, and over time, iRacing's built that infrastructure, and they got in a lot earlier when it was a lot cheaper too, right? It would have been a lot le least less expensive back in 2007, 2008 when they started doing this than 
what it is now in 2021. But they just need, I guess, ACC just needs to get Elon Musk to back them. <laughs> Pretty much. But then you don't, you wouldn't be able to hear any of the cars. They'd be all electric. Okay, we're gonna keep moving. I love this next one. It's a real pain in the neck, really. Man, I didn't even see this one here until it just looked me right in the eyes. Apparently, um, the guy in the car didn't see it either. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we got here uh, Michael Cosley Jr. tweeting a photo of an iRacing driver who is unfortunate enough to have the hood ornament or the hood of an opponent's car go through his neck after a track incident. And it looked like it took off half his helmet and everything. Like, um, you look at this poor guy behind the wheel, his eyes and just his facial expression looks at you like he is having the worst day ever. And, I mean, that is quite apparent from from the pictures that we're seeing. Um, you know, on the side-by-side -side shot, you've got the out, outer view of uh, Reese's peanut butter cup uh, hood stuffed in the driver's side window. It looks like the hood not only got through the window net uh, into the seat area and, and cut right clean through his neck, but also the a, a post uh, the behind the seat and uh, the back side window as well. And uh, it's sticking in there to like a, a good foot or two. Uh, yeah, nice clean cut. I got to say, they're going to they're gonna lose a bunch of owner points here. And uh, crew chiefs are going to get uh, kicked out for at least a couple races because they, they took some... Uh, <laughs> the, the they, they did something to... Um, you know, the structure of the car sucks. Good tethers. Thank you. Well, Good that's, tethers. uh, that would be the Arca car, right? I'm guessing that's the Arca car that's. I think there. so, because it's by the new damage model, I'm thinking. Well, someone's not going to be eating those Reese's Peter Butter Cups, I can tell you that. <laughs> you know what, though? Like, just take a look again, like on the left side. Like, look at this guy's facial expression. It is. <laughs> it's priceless like it just works so well as he's got the hood you know going through his neck i guess the newman bar didn't save him all right guys so um there was an article in the richmond times dispatch and it tells the story that richmond raceway and virginia state university will form a partnership to operate a, the tracks esport team in a first of its kind arrangement. So NASCAR will hire a VSU student intern to manage the simulated racing program and other VS, VSU students will work on its marketing, graphics design, even coordination and team operations. So, um, so that's a pretty cool story. Um, so they're basically taking uh, the college student interns and like uh, giving them a chance to go through the uh, ups and downs of running a, uh, a NASCAR race team, but in virtual reality. So, you know, so it's a interesting way for them to uh, get some training and some, uh, some experience for these college students for, for who, who might want to uh, advance in the field of, uh, of this type of uh, management program. Cheap labor. Yeah, real cheap. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool though uh, that you know uh, they could design a a student program around uh, e racing, and you know Richmond Raceway has been instrumental in getting involved in the Coke Series and uh, the draft when that came into play, and they're one of the original teams. 
Yeah, so I guess they'll be working with uh, um, Mullins and um, Novak, who are the Richmond Raceway drivers. Um, I, I imagine they'll be working with those guys as far as uh, marketing their their cars and, and uh, their programs. Very cool. About the ladies of iRacing, David Hall. I uh, thought this was this was kind of interesting, and what might have been interesting for Tony to talk about because they have they have the ladies re- league, but there are a couple of uh, uh, interesting things on this motor re- motor racing outreach is partnering with iRacing and Fox Sports to bring the Better Half Dash. It's going to be a virtual virtual race broadcasted on June tenth on a special edition of Race Hub on FS One. Um, and it's going to have the wives of NASCAR's biggest names competing at Texas. Nice. They did this last year too, didn't they? Or no, they did it for the IndyCar guys. Yeah, I noticed that it mentioned biggest names because I, I was going to say, well, what about um, I don't know, is Jennifer Joe Cobb married? And you know, what about Derek Limke? Uh, so why not? What about th- this? Is almost a little sexist nowadays, isn't it? Okay, so I found an entry list. So Kelly Earnhardt Miller, Kristen Labonte, uh, Morgan Bell, the wife of Christopher Bell, uh, Marissa Briscoe, wife of Chase, Megan Smith, uh, wife of Regan Smith, Jenna Petty, who's the girlfriend of Harrison Burton, uh, Tammy Rice, who's the wife of Colleg Racing's Chris Rice, Julia Piquette, who's the girlfriend of Daniel Suarez, Jennifer Self, Wife of Austin Wayne Self, uh, Carissa Flores, who's the wife of Ryan Flores, who's the number, who's a front tire changer of the two car, and Alexa De Leon, who's the girlfriend of Tyler Reddick. Did you mention uh, Kelly Earnhardt there? Kelly Earnhardt Ed- Elledge? Yep, I said that at the beginning. Okay, I was I was uh, Miller distracted. Oh, is it Miller? It's not Elledge. Oops, it's the top one there. Yeah, this is. So, uh, uh, Sorry, Brian, this is nothing but absolute awesomeness. Um, but Greg, you're right. Last year, it was uh, either F1 or Indy. Um, it was open wheel anyways. Um, now to have the NASCAR version of this. F3 is, car or something like that, wasn't it? I think they did. I don't know. Open wheel. It was an open wheel car. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> they, they should have all the guys spotting for them, too, That would, and, and have the live audio. Okay, no, but they no, need to they do should have the re- guys... They should have they should. the wives do it in the, the other way. The other way, when the, guy, the other guys are racing. No, no, keep the guys right out of it. Let let the girls uh, let let the girls go and bang doors. Um, uh, th- this is this is gonna be good. You know, even if it is just a you know a complete shit show, um, this is like a, this is a really good thing. It's good. It's good for NASCAR. It's good for iRacing. racing. Um, you know, I can tell you just from. You know, doing the uh, the ladies' night out racing, the amount of attention that they've been getting from you know guys trying to get their girlfriends and wives, um, you know, into i racing, uh, this just opens up that that whole thing. And you know, it just you know, I, I talk about it on the aftermath where it's like, guys, get your wives into this. You know, bring them into your uh, bring them into your hobby because it makes it really easy to buy new stuff. So I'm, we're missing some names here, though. I, I, where's Whitney Dillon? Where's you know Samantha Bush? Where where is uh, you know Delana Harvick? You know where is Delana? She's in a she'd wipe the floor with these people. 
I think Delano's got her uh, her hands full with taking uh, their son to the go go karts and all that stuff, and it looks like the daughter's starting to get going on it. Or Brittany Logano or Paige Le- Le- Keselowski. Uh, let's see some of those people. Well, if this thing goes well, um, I imagine you know word will get out. Like, hey, we had a great time. This is a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of good stuff happening on track. And you know, if if they get a you know good enough viewership and support for this kind of thing, you know, they'll they'll likely do it again and you know involve you know make the field bigger, involve more. Now it's at it's at Texas. Does Texas have a, a Legends track inside it, or are they using the full track? Oh, I'm, they they'll probably a, run the big track because level. yeah, they'll probably run yeah. the big track though because generally on in, on the sim side that's a little bit easier than running that little edge. Legends I would track. think it's a big one. Yeah. Okay. A lot of track for that. <laughs> so the next topic I'll pick up. We actually. Um, didn't have somebody lined up on it i'll take it over there's a series asking how to help drive or there's a post or several series of posts asking how to help drive the participation in the pro truck series and uh there were several ideas that were introduced including fixed setups a rookie class and a better ladder progression yeah it's pretty neat discussion just to hey they know there's an issue they're they're working on it let's talk through some ideas basically do you think some of this has to do with just the fact that the there's no notoriety um, like of these series? They're not very popular to be broadcast on TV, and it, you know you got to go you got to go to looking for to to watch one of these events or something like that. Whereas you know NASCAR and IndyCar and all those other kind of series are kind of forced down your throat uh, uh, and normal real life. These things are just a little bit, uh, they're, they're just not as mainstream, right? So here's some of the changes. So Tyler's saying, we decided to step back and regroup with a completely fresh new look at the entire dirt road license genre as a whole. We put together a plan that would give people a way to reach a class by choosing a career path of trucks or rally cars. The user can still interchange the two, but the goal is if you want to race rally, you can do so without needing to race the trucks and vice versa. So the path to the A license has always kind of been in limbo. You're kind of forced to buy all the dirt vehicles just to be able to get up to it. Well, he says here, we're ironing out the details and hope to have more information very soon. We understand this might be a big change and people need plenty of advance notice. In the end, we have all the same goal for dirt road racing to thrive on iRacing. I think Greg hit it on the money, though, that it's just not as popular of a of a sport or part of auto racing. Uh, it's kind of like, I guess, comparing Madden uh, to 2021 to, I don't know, Badminton 2021. Okay, and a couple quick hits next. Uh, Jimmy Bullis put up a, a Twitter today of his trophy for winning the Carnomoly, Carnomoly 500. Landon should be proud of me for saying that right. Uh, the trophy is pretty cool. It's made out of wood, and it's got an oval uh, made out of wood, uh, uh, kind of a version of an oval track, and inside of it, an actual die cast of Jimmy's uh, Sonico uh, Cup car, um, sitting kind of on a checkered flag pedestal inside the racetrack oval, uh, with the big old brass uh, 
uh, nameplate across the front, you know, traditional. It looks really nice. Are we going to get hammered for that pronouncing Sunoco or Sunoco? I was worried about Carnomaly. <laughs> well, I'm just worried about all the guys that listen to the Aftermath <laughs> and our podcast. The other quick hit is uh, I saw up on my Facebook today, uh, six-year anniversary of to the iRacers Lounge podcast is today. So it's been six years. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, here's to six more. I appreciate everybody who's on the show, who's been on the show, who's hosted this show. Um, it's a group effort, and I'm just a part of it. So happy to be a part of it. Where's Rochette's uh, sound effects when you need them? Exactly, the whistles and whatnot, yeah. Well, we can fix that in post, right? <laughs> David's got a, hey, a huge fireworks display going off. I was thinking old Lang Syne. And maybe you guys would know, is there any other uh, iRacing podcast that's been on as long as that? We're the only podcast, aren't we? There's no other podcasts that ever they, do that. All right? those other ones, they come and go. They just, just disappear. They, they can't hack it. That's the thing. Okay, housekeeping notes. Don't forget Aftermath. Uh, Tony, give us a quick preview. Well, we had uh, Steve Thompson, league owner of uh, the Old Bastards Racing League on uh, last Saturday, um, yeah, we we had a lot of fun. That that guy's a he he's a great conversation, uh, full of life, and uh, you know throwing out lots of digs at us. So we 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 had a good time chatting with him, getting getting some history on on the OBRL league. You know, kind of where they you know how they started. Um, as much as he was able to know, because he's not an original member, but um, yeah, very interesting to hear about all that. So. We did that uh, last Saturday, and uh, yeah, so I guess we're, we're you know we're off this weekend. So party, party on! All right, Midwest Simulations offered those spotlights. You can get ten percent off by using the coupon code iRacers Lounge. And we're still over at the Performance Motorsports Network podcast fantasy league in a casual setting. Well. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked a bunch about this on the on the aftermath, and uh, I, I don't even know what the heck I'm doing this year. Uh, three quarters of the way in the race, I'm I'm looking good, and this is almost every race. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm rocking out, and then you know, like thirty laps to go or whatever the case is, it's it's you know a handful of laps to go, and my whole lineup just goes right out the freaking window. Um, but uh, other guys, you know what? They're uh, they're doing quite well, you know, just in time. He's sitting up in first place right now. And, uh, you know, I was battling him, uh, late last year for the lead. So, it, uh, so he, he's, he's got something figured out or he's burning up all the, all the, all the guys right now, which, you know, I'm very much okay with, uh, for, you know, for my personal gain, but, um, we got there, uh, kind of hard to read some of these, um, Something boy, I don't even know that. Know that one. Uh, he's sitting in second place. We Scotty got boy, up. is that what it is, Scotty boy? <laughs> it's just a big blur on my screen. Um, Res dog, he's in third place. Oh baby, is in fourth. And uh, is that Conklin Speedworks in fifth? Oh, we got a tie for fifth with him and Trick Dickel. That's uh, one of the best names we have on there. 
it it certainly is. But <laughs> Greg, you're in you're in ninth place. You snuck your way into the top ten. Nice job. Yeah, I, I think I was eleventh going into it. I'm one point behind uh, Adam. Yeah, yeah, and you're burning up all your top guys too, right? Nope. <laughs> I, uh, that that was uh, I think I picked Bubba Wallace, Michael McDowell, uh, Suarez. I picked all, all the long shots in that race. Well, yeah, so I was I was debating whether to put McDowell in last week, and I decided not to. Um, I, I just didn't think lightning could strike twice, and it did. <laughs> yeah, he was. He, he got himself a top five, anyhow. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for those trends to uh, to figure themselves out, and it's 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 really hard this year. It's, it's been um, extremely extremely tough. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software, we have a Kickstarter. So, you guys remember uh, that egg, that egg motion platform? Yeah, that was pretty nifty. Yeah, pretty wild, right? Like it's, uh, you know, it was a really low cost to entry. Um, it seemed to move around quite well. Uh, it looked funny. It still does look kind of funny and goofy, but. Um, you know, the price point, well, these guys come out with like a 2.0 version of this thing. They ditched the egg a little bit and um, they, they made it, I guess, a little bit more aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing. It looks like that they are still using some of the same, you know, technology, just, you know, upgraded. But the price point, like these things are starting at uh, 790 uh, US. That's for that's for motion, guys. Wow. So the thing that I haven't been able to find, like, is you know, people using it and what it actually feels like, how well it actually works. But you know, hopefully, this is like a starting trend to get the the motion platforms, uh, you know, price point to get down a little bit more of the affordable range. Well, there, there's a few frames in the video that show a guy driving a simulator in this cockpit, like this, like literally one or two frames. So it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. So these things are like, it's, it's almost as if they have like one pivot point as opposed to, you know, the four posts that we're normally used to seeing. Um, and I just wonder how, how long that would hold up. As opposed to like the you know the four separate posts, um, I don't know. I, I got a lot of questions. I guess it just gotta wait until these get into people's hands before we can really, um, you know, make better uh, guesses as to you know the reliability of these things. But I do like what I'm seeing so far. I was able to <laughs> freeze frame it on that one frame and get a good view of the cockpit that he's driving in. It looks like a G27. Uh, it looks like the wheel is mounted on a one upright that comes up on the left side, but the motion is like a one pivot point down below the seat, like you were describing. And how is this is going to simulate elevation change in bumps or or even certain yaws? I don't think it. I just don't well, think it has enough directions of motion traction to, loss. to feel real. Yeah. 
the the thing is is their first one obviously was more of like a upper you had to have some upper body strength to do to be able to control your the first one at least this one they've kind of made it like a seat um that you're sitting in this time where you're you got a back rest and everything but i i just don't um it it's basically it's almost like more of that's more something that's built for vr um to have with like special things like they're showing there and the one they got the roller coaster how to right kind of enjoy it so it's like it's like one of those movie theater seats that you go to like have that have those special things that like disney world this is the vr gaming chair it's not a sim racing chair necessarily yeah. i think you can sim race with it but that's not the initial or the primary purpose no, no. I mean, like, you are going to obviously give up some things from, you know, say, Brian's setup to this, but um, you kind of have to expect that, you know, when it's, you know, coming in at under $1,000, right? It reminds me of a barber's chair looking at it, the way it's where you sit up in it. It's got the foot rests and the, and the arm rests. Yeah. Well, it's a Kickstarter, so be careful. Uh now this next one, Greg, man, I love the look of this. Do you like the price tag, Mike? Because uh, apparently Swiss-made uh, manufacturing racing fuel simulators uh, is offering... Uh, I was kind of looking on the website. So this is their Stage 1 Pro Simulator. Uh, it's almost 18,000 euros. Um, but if you go on the website, um, racingfuel-simulators.com, um, and you kind of get the the details of because they got they got a couple options here because they got a pro uh, stage three pro as well which is forty five thousand um, dollars. But if you go to stage pro one or stage one pro and you show their features, um, it looks like the only part of it that is motion, which is kind of for that's why I'm thinking that the price tags is as high as it is. It's got traction loss modules, um, but they're promoting. I think they're promoting this whole thing as it's it is as a package, right? Because you get the seat, you get the monitors, you get the you computer, get the computer. You get everything all in one. Is that's why the the price tag is which it is. But um, I don't know too much about that traction loss control thing. Um, I don't. Brian, is it is it a decent uh, traction control system, or is it one that they've developed? Do you know about it? Um, I, I'm not aware of this system. I don't. It might be one that they they've developed on their own, because um, I've never seen that particular system anywhere else. Yeah, I haven't seen it in action either. So, because it also so it's coming with um, a direct drive from Leo uh, Bodner Sim um, Sim Steering Two system um, pedals, which are the Heiskanvel Ultimate pedals, um, a handbrake. Sequential sh shifter uh, and uh, what's the H pattern one there? It's the SS. That's the SHH one, right? That shifter. That's that nice one, isn't it? That uh, we've covered a couple times. So I did right. find a video. It does move left to right like a traction loss. Uh, the backside looks like it moves, maybe even the front. It looks like it's an interesting um, system. I just don't know. The price tag's always. I mean, anytime you throw any movement in the sim in, it, it, it triples the price tag of what you think it should be. So the cockpit itself reminds me of Vasaro, where it's got the the part where you put the wheelbase is on a, a metal piece that slots down 
uh, towards your feet and around the pedals and around to the bottom. And it's got these sleek looking body parts kind of on it, like a fiberglass uh, to kind of give it a look of a car almost. I, I just like the style. You know what those legs remind me of? of uh, uh, David, will, I don't know if David can think of this, but a keyboard stand for like one of those like electric keyboards. A quick lock X stand? Yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty That's small what it reminds me of. Yeah, they do. I was looking ahead, but yeah, I just took a look. Yeah, they do. Okay, I'll take this one. Uh, Simforge pedals. Barry Roland reviewed the full-size Simforge Mark I pedals. They're priced at $333. His final thoughts were that they're for, uh, for the price, they performed as well, if not better, than some higher-priced pedals and were very adjustable. Although they may lack the fidelity of some high-end pedals, they are well worth, well worth looking into for the price alone. And, you know, I think people get caught up in the Fanatec V3s as the go-to. But, I mean, these look pretty good, too. And they're cheaper. They're, uh, they're built on an 8020 uh, piece of aluminum there for the base with the L brackets already there for you to mount onto any 8020 system. Um, and it's got a nice big uh, heel plate. The pedals are big, really yeah. nice and big. It's a nice. I mean, for three hundred thirty-three bucks, that's certainly um, well worth looking into. That's a that's a good price for a set of pedals looking like that. They kind of got that erector set look to them, with lots of holes everywhere in the steel. Um, and then, yeah, it, it looks it looks really nice. I like it. Well, that the way those holes are. If they're actually open, that allows a little bit more adjustability. Say, if you want to scoot that clutch out further, and you can even move the brake over a little bit if you need, if you don't want them to be so crammed in tight. So, what's interesting too is um, this company is from India, and I think this might be the first company we've talked about from India. So, we've got a Swiss and an Indian company on this one, new companies coming in. Well, that sim racing continues to grow. Companies from all all the countries all over the world are going to jump in. Under what the shipping would be from India. All right, next up, uh, second guessing all I know is what I called this one. Um, and Niels Heiskenveld. Yes, that is the guy who sells the pedals. Uh, he posted a video on his personal YouTube channel uh, comparing his motion system to the motion of a real car. And, uh, David, I hope you watch this because for anybody who's invested into a motion system and might have second guessed, am I, am I really buying the right one? And this video is eye-opening. And basically what Niels talks about is most people, when they buy motion, they're buying the inverse of what it should be. I didn't. I, I glanced at it, but I don't think I got to that point where he made that conclusion. But it was it was pretty interesting that I I got the gist that he was talking about how you really can't tell what's going on with with the motion rigs. Yeah, I, I've never seen a video where anybody's compared actual motion in real life compared to a, a rig. So I thought that was really interesting, and and how that it it was almost opposite the inverse of, of what you would have thought. Which was which was really really interesting to see. Um, I think a lot of the stuff can be corrected in software. Um, the uh, the SRS system that I use, the Sim Racing Studio, which runs my uh, actuators, 
you can adjust it to the point where, you know, if you're going into a high bank turn, you can have it either tilt outside or inside on how you want it to be done. You know, it's, and so a lot of, a lot of the adjustability can be, uh, can be corrected. I think if you have good software for your uh, motion system. So are you second guessing how you have your set up and after seeing this? Um, no, cause I actually, uh, thought I was pretty decent. Uh, with what he was showing on his video um, when I first set mine up before I really started playing with the, uh, with the software. And to be honest with you, before I started getting some information from Steve Thompson, who fed me a lot of help with that stuff, it, mine was way off and uh, it got a lot better with the, the adjustments that I got from Steve Thompson. Cool. Yeah. If, if you have motion or you're thinking about buying motion, take the 30 minutes and watch this video. This, so you get your mind around this whole thing of inverse motion. And and basically, most of the rigs out there are doing inverse what in reality should be, I guess is the way you say it. This next seat, even though we tend to be a little bit biased towards the 80-20, is a really nice uh, tube driver seat. Uh, they it's got formula style seating but it actually I took a look at the site it actually is also quickly adjustable into GT position um, they'll be available for pre-order soon and with that adjustability that they have where you can move it into GT position it also can actually be folded up to take even less space yeah so David this one is their second gen um, their first one they couldn't keep in stock fast enough uh, they they kept selling out as they go. And I've been following along because I kind of like the way that this sim is because it lets you go back and forth between GT and Formula One or the different styles. And I just, and this new one is a lot, uh, they, they've refined it a lot more um, with it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where they price point this and, uh, and how it performs. I would love to see a video of them actually making the swap because all they're doing, all it's doing, is going back and forth between the two adjustments. But how many, how how long of a process is that actually? Do you have to unscrew everything, or is it something where you can literally run a cup race in GT position and then go hop in in the uh, LMP, which is actually sits more in an indie well, position? There are some screenshots you can toggle uh, between the two. Uh, on the bottom of this page, David, and from what I can see, it looks like there's just knobs that you have to loosen or maybe unscrew all the way on either side of the brake tray and the wheel, or excuse me, the, the chair underneath the chair, probably on either side. So it probably a few minutes would be my guess. Yeah, well, I'd, they, I'd love to see the process. They also, uh, they also offer monitor stands and stuff as well. Uh, for like a triple stand that goes with this whole thing. Um, at least it did with their last one. I'm guessing it's probably going to be offered with this as well. But um, their last system took less than a minute to assemble. So this one, I'm guessing it won't be much further or off of that. There's an ultra ride stand that is actually hooked directly to the rig. There's a triple stand that sits independently. No price. Uh, the chair looks uncomfortable, though. Uh, the, wow. the the real key to comfort in those chairs is having your legs raised. Really, that's um, uh, what happens with the current rig. I mean, it just I'd never have any of the tailbone pain that I used to have when I used to race in the office chair. I bet you that f I, I'm I'm guessing 
what's inside those seat like or that the foam's covering or the the padding's covering it's got to be obviously something hard inside so is it a metal plate that's bent the way that they are or is it whatever like it but it looks like it, it still looks comfortable uh to sit in especially when you're sitting in the formula style too all right um next one is a company review of a 8020 uh, profile system um sim racing shop and uh they they sell we talked about them before but i really was focused in this week on their triple monitor stand i saw somebody who had bought it on facebook and uh man it just looks solid i mean it's 269.99 so 270 bucks it's made of 8020 it's freestanding uh black and uh it is, it's just the kind that you want that's just rock solid that you could build a rig or put a rig right underneath or whatever. Um, I've just been looking for a better triple uh, stand than what I got, which is complete garbage. You could blow on it, it would fall over. But maybe this with those new uh, Sim Lab uh, mounts, mount pieces um, that they, they were selling in conjunction with something like this would just be gold. Okay, and then Tony, you take our our last one here before we go to results. The this Sim the, uh, Nursery. Sim Nursery. Yeah, so uh, uh, Johnny Malia's rig room was transformed when he found out two months after getting set up that he was going to be a dad. So now he's got to split that with the baby. I don't know how this is like, short term. Like right now, it looks great. But what's that baby cause? I don't know about that. We all have kids. We know that it's not possible to race in the same room that they're in. <laughs> I was trying to be optimistic. <laughs> Just ask uh, Denny Hamlin. <laughs> yeah, but she was full gr- grown and knew what she was doing and still did it. Imagine, a, imagine you know, toddler. I mean, even Mike, you've had the issue with, you know, crying baby and it, even trying when you're in the sim too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got a, cry, a crying baby delivered sitting literally behind my seat while I'm in the race at Bristol Dirt. And I can't even see the baby because it's directly behind me. And I'm, on, I'm trying to race Bristol Dirt and it's just screaming its head off. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Now, if you wanted to, like, you know, bomb proof your baby so, you know, they don't wake up at every tiny little sound. Um, yeah, this, this could be a good way to do it. The engine sounds might just lull them to sleep, you know? I was going to say, this is one quick way to find a new, be a pushy to try and buy a two-bed or a three-bedroom house eventually a lot quicker or place. You could just have him or her watch the uh, middle portion of any of the Talladega races. Could be your spotter. Okay, and with that, we're going to head to results. We have the NASCAR iRacing Series. Uh, So let's finish up from last week at Talladega. I got a P2, and I had it one. Dang it. I I topped off on the last caution. I had to save fuel like crazy. I was leading on the white with with second right behind me. There was nobody else. It was just me and him. And uh, he had a bubble more of fuel than I did and went right on by me at a three and four. I, bu- I It burped a little bit coming to the line and 
I was a sitting duck, uh, and uh, yeah, it it was a bummer. I, I don't know if I what I should have done differently. Maybe to let him go or something, so I'm behind him, so he's a sitting duck. Uh, I don't know, but what a what a week! I, I won the Wednesday race. Uh, I think I got fourth on Thursday morning, and then second um, on Friday night. David, you got P six. Yeah, and I started on the pole. Uh, the last caution, the last caution, kind of hurt my uh, chances because I had to restart P two, and that is. Uh, when you have a green-white checkered or, or a short run of any kind at the end, that's the worst place to start because everybody just continues to race to the bottom and you you just get hung out. And I did get hung out, fell all the way back to 12th, but we had enough laps that I was able to get, get a good run back and climbed back up to 6th. Okay, Tony Rochette. Man, I effed myself hardcore tonight, didn't break hard enough, sped on entry on a green flag stop while leading uh, first 35. Did get a caution, but started in the back where no one could keep up and had a car on my outside, forced me down to the apron in a turn and lost the draft, P23. Bobby uh, had a, once again, out front for a good amount of the race with nothing to show. He was leading, and then he got dumped in the tribal. So his quote is, so damn close to that win. Brian, P22. Yeah, so I started on the pole because I won the pole on that race. So, you know, we had a good setup because I never qualify that well at Talladega or, or pretty much any restrictor. So we had a good set. I started in first. Um, at the start of the race, the outside line got a good push and he was able to get in front of me on the start. So I followed him around in second place for like the first third of the race, which went really well. Um, a caution came out and we re- re- restarted. I was in second on the restart and just the outside line just didn't go anywhere. I just fell straight back to like 10th place and stayed there for for a good part of the race but you know you're in 10th place that's kind of like right where all the danger happens and sure enough somebody got aggressive late in the race uh, caused a wreck and i got tied up in it finished p22 okay i think adam jocelyn got a p11 good run and all right uh, sunday open uh nobody ran yeah, David. I ran. I just apparently forgot to put it in. Uh, this one I was top split, I believe, and brought it home P6. Uh, we had a late restart. I was up there, and Garrett Mains and Justin Levine were swinging all the way from the wall to the apron to the wall to the apron, blocking runs. And, but somehow we all managed to get through it without a, a major wreck, and I brought it home sixth. I finished uh, P... 11 i was i was pretty much the more aggressive car in that race i'm not normally aggressive at talladega um the uh i was trying to make moves and stuff as much as i could once we got going in that race i was top five the pretty much the whole race and then i started uh second with uh three to go and the outside line went and then just stalled out at one point it just stalled out and i just couldn't go anywhere and um a lot of moving around and shaking trying to find spots and the the nice thing is is you can i I like about that track now is you can get side draft somebody can drag them drag them around and 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 move them off of someone's bumper to try and gain something but if you don't have any help behind you you can't really complete what you're trying to do yeah it's impossible without help 
Did everybody... Uh, hold on, I'm sorry, Mike. The other thing, too, is everybody complained this week about us, you know, everybody driving. We For how many years have we said we want to cruise around the race and not battle and everything side by side? And now we finally do it, and everyone's complaining the opposite way. Yeah, but this wasn't just that you would get in line. Like I said, at that restart with on a green-white checkered, the outside line was just destroyed by the inside line. Four cars on the inside could outrun 12 cars on the outside. The, the lanes are just not equal right now. You have to get a, a, a set of cars on the outside with, with six or so good drivers that all can stay inside the bubble to be able to sustain it. And then they usually still either just stall out right at the front next to the other cars or one guy abandons them, drops to the inside, and then the rest of them start to stall out again. Okay, Sunday fixed. Uh, I got a P7. Got clipped a bit and 30 seconds damage. I made my way back up to second, but actually got freight train back to ninth, what David was just talking about. Ended up finishing seventh. Kansas. Uh, I'll start with a P28 on Wednesday open. I got wrecked by some guy on the bottom. He got tight and came right up into me and slammed me into the wall. I was 35th, dead last at that point. Later got into another wreck and I, I just could not get miss it. And so P28 was the best I could do. I came home 20th and it was kind of a saved uh, result. Uh, salvage decent finish after I lost the car um, and hit the wall because I was chatting with with Morley actually he was, he was talking to me on the stream checking out how the set was running and I answered a question and the next thing I know I'm wiggling and and popped the wall it was only about 38 seconds of damage but I didn't, wasn't able to get it fixed until there was about 30 laps left in the race once I was able to do that got back on the lead lap I raced up from about 27th to 20th before we just ran out of laps all right, Tom Dryling was in my split. He finished third. He qualified seventh, ran up front uh, till the first pit stop, dumb me speeding. Then worked my way back to a uh, to the top where I got bumped into the front stretch grass, fell back to 27th. Worked my way all the way to the lead with 20 or so to go, but just ran the tires off of it. I'll take a top five after a couple of super bad weeks. And uh, Rochette also made the race. He ran P7. He felt like the set was loose on exit. Uh, and then he said, uh, screw the winner. It was a guy who has a 5K I rating and was running on his alternate account, beating up on all the low 2K guys. Yeah, that's not cool. You know, I knew that was one of those guys, but uh, bummer. Thursday open, I ran P8. Uh not a bad race. Uh, I didn't write down my notes, but not a. The, the, we tried a different set than we ran on Wednesday, and it's a bit tighter. I think I like the set on Wednesday better. Uh, I kept hitting the wall. It was so tight. But Tony Rochette, P16, he got tight as well, running the same set, hitting the wall and exit of four. There was only one caution, so he couldn't catch up. And I, I remember now, so at the end, we were wishing for a caution, and we didn't get one. But I think if we would have got one, I might have had something for those leaders because I was really good on a short run. 
Cal got a P7. He got to run this afternoon. He started P14. He got wrecked early, went two laps down, and then finally got enough lucky dogs to get back on the lead lap. The car was hurt, but he was still decently fast. Uh, he ended up with 13 cautions. Well, that's crazy, considering the other split. Uh, that helped him to save tires and slowly work his way back up to the front. He restarted P9 on the last restart. Two to go. He kept his foot in it and picked up two more spots to finish with that P7. All right. Let's switch gears to official racing. Uh, I ran uh, some Talladega uh, Open A Opens. Uh, P3 was uh, trying to push you, David, to a win. Uh, then a P1 uh, was uh, third on the last lap. Got to the leader, and he was swerving a bit. And I and I actually hooked him. I didn't mean to, but uh, he was not happy with me. Yeah, that, I remember that one where you tried to push me. We just didn't, we never timed it right, and you kept getting out of the bubble and, we, and us losing the momentum. Uh, Kyle also had a P3 uh, and a P4, uh, he, where he ran top five for most of the race. Uh, he came, it came down to a green-white checkered in fourth. He kept the loud pedal, mashed it, and uh, to the checkered flag up 0.05 from getting the P2. So it was real close. And then you had a win at Watkins Glen with a massive burnout. <laughs> yeah, what, how'd you like that? I, last night uh, we had a, a small field of LMPs, but it was still a field. And um, I was just like, okay, time for a burnout. It's been a, it'd been a few weeks since a win. Uh, and I enjoy doing the kind of old Jimmy Johnson style burnout where you, you roll the brake bias forward and you, you get them spinning out and then you just kind of modulate the brake to make it roll straight forward. And I managed to sustain it for almost 60 seconds. Made it all the way from the start of the of the front stretch to the back of the front stretch. It was pretty fun. And that Greg, you had a video of IndyCar at Sebring. Yeah, that was a disappointing finish there because I was uh, I was racing. That was that was for eighth. I was up to third. That was just after a pit stop, and I was passing a guy for eight. And the video I play, um, I'll show it here on the day, the screen, but kind of annoying i only i only put that video together quickly um just because it i just wanted to show what happened but i was kind of pissed off that that guy just couldn't give it up he just couldn't give the position up so i made it quickly and yeah it was like a five minute put together that video and just to show you guys what happened yeah i also put together a video from uh my league race at Fast Track Sim Racing League on Monday night. Uh, I ran and got wrecked out, and it was net code. And the video clearly shows I'm a good four feet away from the guy, and uh, the net code dumps me, and this you know ruins my night. I had a good race going. I think I probably would have showed pretty good, but uh, that's going to hurt in the points. And then uh, OBRL. The uh, Aftermath Truck Series, congratulations, goes out to Josh Robinson for winning uh, at Lakeland Speedway. And uh, Dwayne MacArthur second, Travis Rogers third. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder. 
the home of online sim racing leagues. And with that, final thoughts. Brian McCubbin, what do you got? Um, I'm looking back at uh, Talladega, just a little disappointed in the racing. It, it was it was prison dilemma racing, if you know what I mean. It's like uh, the prison dilemma where all the prisoners can take over prison if all of them feel do the same thing. You know what I mean? But when you're racing and everybody's on the bottom line, nobody wants to go outside because they don't trust that somebody's going to go with you. And then you just fall to the back. It, it was just uh, it was just a little disappointing. And um, I, I, I do hope that they make the the. I, I don't think it's unreasonable that if you're by yourself on the outside line that you're going to go backwards. It's just I, I hope that these uh, other drivers, you know, f- can figure out a way to uh, form second lines and, and make the racing two two lanes at Talladega make it a little bit more exciting. Yeah, it wasn't fun. I think we had a good showing, though, but it wasn't fun. Yeah, it's it's, it's not a. I'll go ahead and jump in. It's not a hard. Uh, it's not a hard package to run, but it's just it it um, it was just too dependent. I mean, the real secret to success was to stay on the bottom until the end. You know, some people would get up there and run just because they were bored, but there's there was just no point unless uh, you wanted to test it out because usually there was so little practice running too wide that it usually resulted in a caution um i will say it's kind of exciting i took a look at the uh the division one stats for nis this year and i was i was like oh crap this year i'm division one i'm gonna i'm gonna be barely be on the front page right but uh right now as it sits i'm sitting p7 and that's gonna shuffle a lot as uh drop weeks and i'm sure i'll fall when drop weeks kick in quite a bit but it's still pretty neat to be up there yeah, especially this early. All right, and then Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, I'm just, I don't know. Talladega was, I was frustrated from the Friday night race. I never got a chance to talk about it. We kind of jumped over it, but I switched cars on Friday night um, and uh, or switched from the Ford to the Chevy. And I guess every time I haven't, I haven't calibrated in a while and I missed the race. Uh, the start of the race because I was trying to get everything set up. So, and I could just and that's the race that went caution free for me when I went a lap down for starting from the pits. So, fig, go figure. This is the one race that I needed a caution and never got it. But uh, uh, I look forward to this week at Kansas. It sounds like we got something to work with here. Um, also running the IndyCar at Texas this week and um, maybe some other road stuff sprinkling this this week. And I don't know where the Euro or or the IMSA series is this week. Um, but uh, definitely race as much as I can this weekend if I, just to get some stuff in it. I've been too busy doing other things. I gotta, I've worked working 50 to 60 hours. I kind of need to get lost in the sim here to ease the mind. All right, do it. And Tony Groves, final thoughts? Well, I really don't got a whole lot. Um, I blew my back out on the weekend, so I've been laying on a couch for the last five days. Today's uh, one of the first days where I'm actually moving around. It's kind of nice. Um, yeah, we had the aftermath. We talked about that. So haven't heard that yet. Uh, go download it. Subscribe to it. And, uh, yeah, racing. Well, that was pretty much out of the question. Could, could barely sit up this week. So that's it for me, man. I'm with you. I'm also having uh, back problems and uh, went to a chiropractor just uh, before the show. I'm still trying to race though, but I'm racing through the pain. And uh, hey, that's what—that's part of it. When you're in a 36-week season and you're trying to get some points, 
is uh, sometimes you got to grin and bear it, and I'm I'm glad I did. I mean, uh, to win two weeks in a row, um, and now I'm trying to back it up for a third week in a row. Um, I'm looking forward to Friday night. I, I hope I can win. I, I think with the right kind of cautions falling where I need them, with short runs near the end of the race, I can win this race. I won Kansas in 2015, um, the, the day that we started this podcast. And uh, I think I can do it again. I think the old man still got it. So, man, I'm feeling a little cocky and confident after the last couple of weeks. So let's go get it. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.